What does a neutral nation like Orb want with me? Or am I in the hands of the Earth forces now? There's something I have to know. Are you the one who destroyed the strike? It was me. What happened to the pilot? Did he escape like you did? Eject? Or... We couldn't find Kira. Anywhere. Say something! He's dead. Because I killed him. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best and only episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast, where we watch every episode of Gundam Seed and tell you that Kira Yamato is dead. My name is Jeremy. I'm distinctly an old type. I'm Tyler. I really want him to stay dead. My name is Zach. I kind of want to write the spin-off manga that's what if Kira stayed dead. How would things have changed? Quite a bit. Not, not in this episode. Not at all. Except <laughs> for the ending. Oh, that ending. There's quite a bit that would change. Yes. A lot of other people would probably die. Yeah. That's okay. That's what uh, that's what the show is about, right? People, people dying in horrible ways. Shitty teenagers never getting a chance and be not shitty teenagers. Find out. Tall was a great teenager. That is true. He was one of the only ones on board. He didn't deserve to die. His overconfidence was his weakness. Tall and Millie were my favorite couple, and also kind of the only couple, because they had a stable relationship, and now Toll's dead. <laughs> Tall. I mean, I didn't really like Toll as a character, but man, I like Tall. Sure? I like okay. Tall too. Like, I I don't feel any strong emotional attachment to Tall, and now he's then, dead. I guess then again, I just really like the Tall Tales. I really like how he sticks up for his friend Kira. <laughs> tall Tales. I got it. <laughs> I really like how he sticks up for his friend Kira, even though he's a coordinator. I really like his relationship with Millie. I really like his overconfidence getting in the Skygrasper because Kigali had so much luck in it. Yeah, that is true. That Skygrasper always is Skygrasper number two. It gets shot down on its second mission of both pilots. It's just the second pilot happens to also be on mission number four. So he dies. Yeah, Can you imagine a culture where you go one, actually bury two, three, death? (laughs) Uh, Three is sunshine, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, that's the problem with the overloaded phonemes that have, like, 12 million meanings. <sighs> Japanese. There's that one scene in uh, Bleach where bald guy, whose name I can't remember, tries to make friends with Ichigo because her names both have a pun on the number one and also on the word for a strawberry. And he's like, we're both number one berry guys. And Ichigo just stares at him blankly and then tries to kill him. <laughs> It's amazing that no one strangled Akira Toriyama at any point. <laughs> Bibbidi bobbidi boo. I know. All, all so the Saiyans. Cool. Oh, the Saiyans I think are great. Kakarata! <laughs> Kaba and Kalifla are the best by far, and they're new, but. Aren't, um. And Kale. Kale's pretty good. Namek- no, it's not all the Namekians are named after instruments, but it's, it's Piccolo's, Piccolo's minions. minions. It's are Piccolo, all named after. drum, tambourine, and piano. <laughs> also, yes. garlic has a bunch of uh, seasoning themed henchmen. <laughs> yeah, mustard, Isn't- spice. <laughs> Isn't Krillin named after something, too? I think he's named after a legendary monk, actually. And then Bulma's whole. <laughs> whole uh, yeah, the, the Breeze family. I don't. What is Bulma supposed to be, though? Bloomers. It's just real. It's an outdated oh. word, and it's real. 
filtered <laughs> through. It's like it's ja- it's English to Japanese back to English, and then you get trunks. Trunks is obviously, obviously. Uh, bra, bra. Even more obvious. Um, I know there are other members of the Briefs family, and I can't remember Doctor Briefs. Yep. Yeah, oh, and tights. Bulma's new sister. She just like got a new sister. Uh, to be fair, she was in a story Akira Toriyama wrote that he later like retconned into Dragon Ball. But the story does end with her like, I have to call my sister Bulma. She's her older sister who left the family to not be to like strike out on her own. She's also to not be rich anymore. Yes. She, well, she's rich again though. She's also a super rich, super genius. So because that's apparently what everyone from Bulma's family except Bulma's mom is. <laughs> She just had super marrying into wealth skills. <laughs> Maybe she's actually secretly super intelligent, and that's why she married into the family. Yeah. All the Ginyus are dairy products. All the Namekians are snails. Oh, Birder. Birder. Raccoon is cream. Primo. It's an anagram. Yeah. No, I can see that. Goldo just means yogurt in Japanese. Okay. Ginyu is just milk. That's uh, why I use the milky cannon in oh, most of the video games. Oh, that makes games. so much more sense. Wait, and, and J- clan is all related cool. to refrigeration. And, and Jace is cheese. You just have to pronounce it right. Jizz. Yeah. So does this ever explain Radis's double Sunday? Uh, no, that's an, that's an American name for the attack. What's the... Uh, I don't remember what the Japanese name for the attack is. But... S- <laughs> Super, I'm going to punch you in the face cannon. They just gave him all... Uh, I actually don't think double Sunday gets named in the manga. I think it's just an energy blast. That's fair, because that's all it is, because Raditz is lame. <laughs> yes. Wait, we can grow Raditzes? We <laughs> uh, just gotta pluck them. <laughs> and yet Raditz is, like, one of the major antagonists. If you don't just watch Dragon Ball Z, if you watch Dragon Ball, Raditz is the guy who makes Piccolo, the biggest, baddest ass, look like a chump. So, he's just got guys who make him look like a chump coming in a year. And Goku's gotta steal all King Kai's moves to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you what about the Kamehameha? That one's mine, right? <laughs> that's Master Roshi's. Yeah. Solar Flare? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's TN's. Yes. I'm standing right here, man. Does Goku <laughs> no, have no, any moves he developed himself, or does he just steal all of That's the, the second most recent DBZA. That's the uh, joke about it. It's like, Cell, you stole all your moves, which is why I can definitely beat you. It's like, yeah, you, like, you stole all your moves, too. It's like, the Kaioken? Oh, no, my name's in the attack, Goku! <laughs> <laughs> this has been Dragon Ball Z. Let's talk about it. <laughs> podcast. I totally forgot what we were here for. Dragon Ball Z. Let's talk about it. Super Saiyans, by which I mean people who have their seeds explode and then are the most powerful. <laughs> uh, Aftern has could, joined the club. Should we retake that? <laughs> people whose seeds explode in highly tense moments. So what did you think about that, Tyler? You commented on it last episode before I could with Athern going into, let's call it seed mode. I think that's what Super Robot Wars calls it. Uh, Inventive. Yeah, they just call it seed mode. I mean, they clearly become coordinator berserker. So my assumption, being somewhat familiar with Dragon Ball, yes, Dragon Ball lore, also Gundam lore, not that the two are related in any manner, is that coordinators accidentally engineered new new types, so future types, I guess, and they're tapping into that. So, but what's your thought on the moment of Anthur doing it? Oh, it's badass! It's yes. awesome because <laughs> he's not left-handed. <laughs> what? That, well, that's Athern's "I'm not left-handed" moment because Kira has been able to beat him up to this point. I'm sorry, I'm not left-handed. Princess moment? Bride. Oh, okay. I did make the correlation when Wesley is like. I'm not left-handed. Yes, Neither so. am I. <laughs> yeah, like, well, 
crap. <laughs> okay, yes, no. No, it's badass because suddenly Kira's not the only one who can do that. And, uh, yep, does not end well for Kira. No. <laughs> suddenly has to fight on an equal playing field and he loses. And, and it's he awesome. dies. It's great. Yeah, it's, I, it would have been awesome. And then suddenly Gre- Mr. Green is being really annoyed. <laughs> hey, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh. All right. So we are going to be watching episode 31, Grieving Skies, or episode 29 if you're on YouTube, or now Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll now has Gundam Seed. You think they would have had it already. Yeah, but suddenly Crunchyroll has a bunch of Gundam stuff. Which is cool. And it's not the original one. It is the updated one that we've been looking at. Do you want to do a quick recap of all the things that have happened? Yeah. Uh, Kira Yamato was a guy who was a student. He was a special student because he was a coordinator, which are these genetically engineered people who all went off into space to form their own nation led by not Magneto. Didn't he have like And all have military ranks. It looked like he was working part-time for a defense contractor because that's totally something you have high school students doing. I think it was a student project. Yeah, I think it was a work study. They they went to Morgan, right? And that's that's it. Also, he was in high school college, so... (laughs) Space Japanonizo College. Uh. A bunch of stuff happened. His home blowed up, and he got ended up being a giant robot pilot, fighting all the other coordinators, especially his best friend, Atherin Zala. He killed Atherin's friend, Nickel. Atherin killed his friend, Tall. Everyone was sad. And then they, uh, Atherin blowed up his mobile suit, and Kira died. And that was the end of the show. War was over. And then we had 20 more episodes. <laughs> Speaking more seriously, this is where this show really starts to transition into a very different sort of show that it becomes. Yeah, it's uh, got but, a good character, crappy plot. I don't know that the plot was amazing beforehand. Though, it gets so. really bad. Uh, I don't I actually think the plot is... I, I think I disagree on what you mean by plot, but the show ends up becoming much less a like philosophical, navel-gazy, emo thing about how terrible war is and becomes more of a power fantasy. Oh, like that's kind really of, disappointing. Like you would kind of expect Gundam to be. That's what I said. <laughs> But it has a real slow transition. It takes about four episodes to transition between the two tones, which I really quite like. It has time to breathe between that major downer ending of, let's call it the first half, even though it's the first three-fifths, and the what it ends up becoming in, let's again call it the second half, even though it's not even that long. I dislike what it becomes, but there are some great character moments coming up. Well, like, we keep having that callback to Walt felt like, what happens if you, like, just keep killing each other? It's an endless cycle. Does that just evolve into Kira killing everyone? No. That'd be great. <laughs> no, that stays as a theme. It's just, I don't want to say they handle it immaturely, but they come up with a way to handle it in a way that in the real world, like, there Does isn't. <laughs> that doesn't work. And well, the first time I watched Gundam Seed, I really didn't like it. But the more I've rewatched it, the more I like it tonally. On a metaphorical level, the answer is the children of today need to be better and not be dicks like their parents. And that's kind of what happens. Slight spoilers. But a lot of the specifics are not great. Always just remember one of the best sayings made by one of the best prime ministers Britain ever had. Never miss an opportunity to go to the bathroom? No. Democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the other ones we've tried? Not yet. The goal of a soldier is not to die for his country, it's to make the other poor bastard die for his. Speak softly and carry a big, giant robot? That's our president. That's not a prime minister. So we're beginning those transitory episodes. This one, I think, is the slowest and the weakest, but it's still pretty good. guess this is spoiling things, but Tyler, what did you think of this episode overall? Oh, I actually really liked it. Especially, like, my favorite... Well, oh no, we'll get to high points. Because, man, I have a very specific high point. It's awesome. All right. Is it Moo punching the simulator? 
No, although I did have a comment about how Millie runs the simulator because Toll apparently spent so much time there. That's where she associates his presence. <laughs> Alrighty, so with that, let's watch episode 31, Grieving Skies. You can too on YouTube or Hulu or Crunchyroll. They're all great spots. Crunchyroll, I think, is my favorite because they're the one I pay. But Hulu, <laughs> you also get that sweet Sailor Moon. So, so original Sailor Moon or Sailor Moon Crystal ZR? Both. <laughs> you also get about... Three hours worth of ads for every 20 minutes worth of content. Yeah, it's not the best choice. <laughs> Don't choose Hulu. Choose Crunchyroll. We're not sponsored. <laughs> but if you want to sponsor us Crunchyroll, <laughs> I will read that ad copy. <laughs> I will tell them all about how great Gundam Unicorn is and how they can watch One Piece every week and how Dragon Ball Z just started the tournament of power. Dragon Ball Super, I guess. Anyway. Crunchyroll's fantastic. Dragon Ball Z 2. <laughs> Dragon G Ball Z Gundam. Oh, yeah, it's got G Gundams. This mic of mine is burning red. Its loud voice tells you to watch G Gundam. <laughs> no, it tells us to start the podcast, so we're going to. But watch G Gundam. <laughs> so like we've been getting lately, this episode starts with a previously on, although it's just the fight Kira and Atherin had at the end of the last episode, which is pretty important context. Sp spoiler, Kira blows up. Can you kill Nickel? I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like to think that Atherin and Kira cannot hear each other at all, so they're just screaming at each other. Like I said, I like to think that too, although it kind of breaks down in the last episode where Kira had flashbacks to their conversation. Yeah, when they when it's very clear that they're actually talking to each other. We do get flashbacks to Atherin and Kira yelling at each other, which is the best. I mean, that's 90% of why I watch this show, to be fair. <laughs> Atherin goes Super Saiyan, and Super Saiyan kicks, and he gets Super Saiyan punched. Kira Super Saiyan decapitates. <laughs> These are all Dragon Ball Z cards, by the way. <laughs> Super Saiyan decapitates. It would just be Saiyan decapitation. <laughs> Cell self-destruct is played by Atherin. And Goku's like, oops, I can't instant transmission. Wait, I did. <laughs> and we see the strike's arm blown towards the camera, even though it will be attached when we later in the episode. There and is we an arm that we see detached, but it's not the strike's arm. We actually then get some new footage. First, we get uh, Millie seeing a lost signal on the strike as well as the Sky Grasper. And then we get Murdoch and Moo just kind of looking presumably towards the explosion they hear before we cut to the opening sequence. The strike is surprisingly intact after he that explosion. He should be dead. Like, Kira is a dead man. I mean, I feel like the strike being intact after that explosion is arguably a problem with the way they animate the explosion at the end of the last episode. It's more from a self-destruct sequence perspective like the strike was out of power armor right no it wasn't the uh oh it wasn't no the uh aegis was the strike was still on powered. okay it's colored when it blows up i am less concerned with that then because obviously phase shift armor is magics i'm so wondering who these assholes are in the opening they intro. will be explained they'll show up and then the intro will change <laughs> uh just stopping real quick, what's your theory on who those three assholes are? Obviously, you think one is Emo Nickel, but... <laughs> I mean, obviously, they're Crusade's real children. <laughs> <laughs> All the Crusade kids? <laughs> no, these other guys have been the Crusade kids, but they're like Crusade's adopted kids. They're the ones he really loves? Yeah, they're his stepkids. Crusade has actual children. <laughs> so who's the mother? Um, <laughs> Moo. <laughs> 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 coordinators can do amazing things you see when a coordinator loves a new type very much when the opening ends we cut to Millie 
yelling at the mic for Kira or Tal over and over again. Everybody on the bridge is clearly uncomfortable. Moo calls up and is like, hey, what was the boom? And what the hell went? What the hell happened? And Moo is like, um, everybody's dead, Jim. I mean, Moo. <laughs> You're it. I mean, probably not dead, but exploded. So probably dead. So Nataro comes over and tells Millie to shut up after shutting off her comm. To be fair, probably necessary for the morale of the bridge. Yes. But she does kind of look like a jerk doing it. She basically takes charge like she does and tells the captain to get a Wait, damage report. Hang on. Did Murdoch teleported. <laughs> he was just in the he was he was just in the hangar with Moo with just his did a quick jumpsuit change. on. And then he teleports to the place where they're doing all the work this in actually... his like damage control uniform. What is Murdoch's first name? Chief. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually Chief and Chuff Murdoch. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. Have they ever given his first name? I don't think they have. <laughs> no, I think they have early on in the series, but they always call him Chief Murdoch. So Murdoch's like, yeah, I don't know. The blowed upness doesn't seem that bad. We should be able to sh- put a welding torch on this, and then we'll be able to fly in a little bit. Now that plot has happened, we should be able to get out of here pretty well, easily. They're out of the combat encounter now, so they can, you know, do all their out of now combat repair abilities. <laughs> now they're out of uh, initiative order. Kojiro apparently is his name. Kojiro Murdoch. Kojiro Murdoch. <laughs> okay. Clearly, he's a he's a kid of multiple different cultures. All right, so we cut to sort of the, the nice hallway where some guys with machine guns are nicely escorting Diarca somewhere. What I want to know brig. is where they came from because the Archangel has always kind of been low on personnel, and these guys have never kind of never actually shown up before. Yeah, just like random gun dudes. <laughs> I feel like we've seen them. We there are always random people in the cafeteria. They probably had to get off some important duty to go point guns at Diarca. We also see them loading the Blitz onto the Archangel. Buster. What? Yes, the Buster. I'm sorry about that. I keep messing those two up. The Blitz is gone why. forever. The Blitz sucks. It's gone forever. They're they're uh, loading the Buster. One of the mechanics is like, what are we doing that for? The other one's like, well, A, it was ours to start with. And B, what, are we just going to leave it for them? I mean, it's a good point. It's not like they can leave anywhere right now anyway. So it might as well keep it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Kazi does the first thing ever, and then he looks at the radar and is like, oh man, there are three dins. They'll be here in 15 minutes. Well, we just got that buster. Might as well send it out. It uh, but, works. But it's broke, remember? It's broken, and they don't have anybody to fly it. Uh, Maru wants to intercept, but Nataro's like, uh... With what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, remember how our mobile suit and one of our planes got blown up, and also half our guns and a bunch of our missiles? Uh, meanwhile, while she's distracted, Millie hits the comms again to try and contact them. And again gets reprimanded, and we get a nice flashback to earlier when Kigali got missing, and everyone got to learn what MIA meant. Which is actually dead, but we don't have enough uh, proof to fill a thimble. Though it's weird that they're not like KIA? Do they ever use that? I think KIA is only applies if you have a confirmed body. Well, we got a confirmed Toll's head. Yeah, but the they, they don't have it. Yes, they do. So it's apparently. On the ship. <laughs> So apparently that took four minutes, or the dins hit the afterburners. I was wondering about that. Slipstream. Because <laughs> now they're going to be here in 11 minutes. Uh, Millie, meanwhile, starts to have a breakdown and runs off the bridge. No one stops her, which is, again, probably for the best, since she's and, clearly well, not in the right headspace. And they can call down Cuzzy to do her job. And, <laughs> well, to be entirely fair, she was basically running flight control for the Archangel's point defense units, like the Strike and the Sky Graspers. One of which is to launch again. <laughs> Moo is the only one left that actually was fulfilling that job. And his plane um, is grounded. And his plane is currently grounded, so it's not like they actually need Millie on the bridge right now. But the power is back on, so that's good. 
I thought it was always a matter of they didn't lose power. They lost the lift. I, I think it might be to that engine or something. I don't know. He's just like, hey, power's back. Or they might have shut it down in order to fix it. Well, Murdoch rolled a natural 20 on his weld check. <laughs> oh, so Maru gives the order to take off, and they do so. We get a nice uh, shot of the Archangel unbeaching itself. <laughs> At a surprisingly steep angle. She asks where the strike and the guy grasper went missing, and uh, Nardaro's like, we can't look for them. We're clearly too beat up. She asks about the Sky Grasper, which, as we said earlier, is grounded. Uh, Natario keeps putting pressure on her about, hey, they can't all die here. Yeah, which is, but the thing is, Natario is entirely right in the moment. They yeah, can't stick around. Is. She's right, but she's also going over the captain's head in a way that is not out of character for her. She's done it before. But this is also, I think, bad for morale. Mom and dad are basically fighting. It kind of depends on the authority that they're... that. The way this is supposed to work, depending on how much authority Natarl is supposed to have as the battle director, as opposed to the captain, because the captain obviously is going to have the final say, but in combat, she's the one usually running things, so it kind of depends on that. Obviously, mom's having an emotional breakdown, and dad's trying to just <laughs> go to the grocery store. So, Maru gives the order to try to continue contacting them like they leave, and send a distress signal to Orb. Uh, Natarl doesn't like this plan either, well, presumably because they will get to pick up the sweet strike. Honestly, uh, I if I'm them, I'd rather the I'd rather Orb have the strike in the pilot as opposed to uh, Zaft. Zaft getting it, since they built it in the first place. Yeah, since they built it in the first place, and at least this way, uh, and they still hit- end up plus one Gundam, which is uh, currently what the Archangel's sitting on. Like I said last time, and Maru, like always, says, "Hey, I'll take full responsibility. Write it in your goddamn notebook of shit you want to complain about <laughs> when we get to Alaska. We're going." Meanwhile, uh, Millie is doing the flay fall in the hallway. (laughs) Falling uphill somehow. While having a dramatic breakdown. She is currently in denial. Yeah. Again, which makes perfect sense. Uh, Meanwhile, speaking of flay, we see her, and she has a dramatic worrying about Kira moment, and that's about it. And Moo has a dramatic worrying about Kira moment. (laughs) Meanwhile, he sees Millie come in. I don't know what she went to the hangar. I think don't know if she's in a fugue state just wandering around. She's clearly going to the simulator because that's where Toll was. I don't think she. um, I don't think she really realized that she was heading for work. Toll was found very much in the in the. couple of weeks leading up to where he gets killed which is the simulator but when she actually spots it she realizes that's where she's going so she runs over to it to have a cry and talk about how tall can't be missing moo kind of is like hey what are you doing and he very quickly being the good big brother kind of realizes what's going on and it clearly is painting him just about as much she's in complete denial this is actually really well delivered in both the dub and the japanese version her just breaking down well i mean this is up to this point, the bridge kids have been invincible. The bridge kids. Kira, like, Kira has been there, obviously, but they haven't actually lost anybody. Whereas, like, Nataral, Moo, and all the rest of the crew have lost people before. So this is something they're unfortunately used to. They understand it. They've come to accept it. They know what's going on. But all the bridge kids are still invincible teenagers. So mm-hmm. the fact that two of them are dead in a war they hadn't even really intended to be involved in in the first place. And Moo looks very sad about the fact that she's having such a hard time about this. Reaches out to touch her. I really like this scene. It's really good. Before we get to that, because I do want to talk about that for sure, I think Zach's point, it's made worse by the fact that they had no boot camp, no training, no psychological preparation for somebody dying. They got tossed into the deep end and told to stop drowning before they were taught how to swim. And they kind of thought they knew. They were learning how to tread water, at least. They'd been doing pretty well so far. And they then all... a shark ate toll. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, yeah, Moo, the, again, all you the animation cozy. button goes 
budget goes to uh, Moo's face as he reaches out to touch her and kind of hug her and comfort her, but he can't bring himself to do it because he's a man who can't deal with emotions. So instead, he makes a fist and punches the simulator in frustration. That, and I think it's also one of those situations where he's not really sure what exactly to say because again he's used to this this is something that him the rest of the crew have learned to deal with and have just kind of internalized so having somebody completely and totally breaking down is not something that him as a fighter jock is really prepared to handle so we cut from that to the archangel flying over some islands it's uh presumably time has passed then we get a shot that's actually added to the hd version of kisaka going to get kigali and kigali is in cleric bureaucrat mode <laughs> yeah it's really weird in the hd version because she apparently just like heard there was problems and then changed into her casual red shirt this she, this she scene looks stoned this scene is not in the original i don't know if they pulled it from later in the series or what i have a guess from where it might be but i really wanted her to be wearing reading glasses while staring at that tablet she, she, Shot makes her look totally stoned, like, dude, you're harsh in my buzz. But then we cut to her in an orb plane, and she's in her casual red shirt from before. <laughs> Meanwhile, we cut to the submarine, now led by a bunch of normal-looking dudes and Izak. <laughs> Izak back from his 15 minutes. No, ba- bandage Izak. He's the he's, best Izak. He's battle-scarred Izak. He's got that <laughs> scar, he's got bandages on his head, his uh, shirt is a little tussed. And as Zach mentioned, he's back from his smoke break, um, only to find out that everyone's dead. Yeah, he's like, hey, we're Arthur and Diarca. I noticed the ship is moving. Uh, the captain's like, oh, they're both MIA, and uh, your boss told us to come back. He had a mask and stuff. He wanted to get back in on the plot, so. Exactly. What do you mean missing? The fuck do you think I mean missing? We don't know where they are. That's missing, numbnuts. Isaac is even more still in invincible teenager mode, even after losing Nickel. He's like, yeah, but Nickel sucked. The Arca and Atherin are awesome. Yeah, and then the uh, the leader basically just goes into his spiel. You know, we lost communication with the Buster. Then he, he just, just went exploded. out of action after, after it blew up. <laughs> Uh, Isaac's like, hey, what about emergency signals? Like, no, we checked for those dumbass. <laughs> we already know what we're doing. We do know what our jobs are. We we aren't invincible teenagers, but we know what we're doing. And we sent some dins after the Archangel. I'm sure they'll take it down. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta be better than you. I'm sure those will pose any sort of credible threat. So Isaac tries to take charge and he's like, hey, I'm wearing a red uniform. Those two wouldn't die. We gotta go back for them. And he's like, uh, dude, that red uniform should mean that you are mature enough not to yell at me. <laughs> and you failed this test, so you don't get any command privileges. Go to your room. <laughs> I really like that, too. <laughs> it's like, anyone wearing that uniform should be less of a dumbass than you are. <laughs> like, you're good at what you do, but you should also realize that everybody else is also good at what they do. We, need- that we aren't in position to do this stuff because we're idiots. You need Although your DR attached are. to your tip so it can make cool, calm decisions for you. We then cut to the beach. The orb plane is there. There are also a bunch of boats and rubble from and Kigali the for some suits. reason. <laughs> Salvage team. Well, we saw Kigali flying there. I know. Just like, why would she be there at all? Uh, presumably, why not? Yeah, because she heard she was on the Archangel. We The scene in the HD version added shows the colonel telling her what's up. So I feel like if I were in her shoes, I would want to go. I'm just not sure why she's allowed. Because it's not like she's going to a combat uh, situation. Why was she allowed to go to the desert to fight? <laughs> that the one, coups? I presume she kind of ran away. This one, yeah. I can totally see her uh, father letting her go here because there's really no reason why not to. It's just a life saving operation. We get a cool shot of the Aegis's head detached, gray except sh- the eyes. There's actually a shot in that one that is a little bit. Uh, 
offset because in the HD remake, Kira just cuts it off. But in that shot, it's still got the hole from in the initial series. He actually punches a hole through it. So there's just there's there's a hole that the thing has acquired somewhere along the line. Clearly got shots when or it fell on a tree and then (laughs) fell on the beach. So they see the strike, which is surprisingly intact. It even got its arm back. Somewhere along the line, it has reattached that arm that exploded. Its head's fine, though it does look pretty melted and beat up. Very dented. It looks very scorched. Kigali has some flashbacks to Atherin being a decent dude and is like, man, that guy, I guess, was an asshole, too. He's a soldier. That's kind of the point. Yeah. And then she sees the cockpit, which is pretty melted, but there's nobody. There really should be. Given the sheer amount of damage done to that cockpit. Well, it could have vaporized the body. That's not the implication here. But Kigali goes into denial, but she is like, hey, there's not a body here, so we should probably try to find it in case it got blown somewhere, which I could actually see. Or he managed to eject, which we know he didn't, but Kigali doesn't. How could they possibly have ejected? There is no ejection system on those units. Atherin got out. He didn't eject. (laughs) Okay, he jumped out. Yeah, he lame jetpacked away. (laughs) It's an ejection jetpack. I mean, obviously, Kigali doesn't realize that there's no way in hell Kira had enough time to bail when he realized it was going up in flames. She wasn't there. Yes. They found a body, so Kigali, of course, assumes it's Kira and runs for it, starts yelling for him, but it's Atherin. She's like, oh, my tits, it's Atherin. <laughs> <laughs> like, the look on her face when she sees it is great. Poor Atherin, stuck on the beach, clearly knocked out. And then we get the eye catch. That was pretty fast. And now, a message from our sponsors. Hey there. Do you need access to instant day ex machina? Have you ever wanted to take a trip to Jupiter? Would you like to ride in style? My name is... There's nothing quite like being instantaneously transported from a near-death situation to your choice of a space-faring habitat. Me and my team of expert space whales pilots who pilot our own bodies, which is why we are experts, can instantaneously transport you from any of a number of near-death or otherwise inconvenient scenarios, such as explosions, or lasers of the head, or a colony falling out of orbit on top of your current landmass, or other explosions caused by self-destructing giant fighting robots. To wherever the plot demands you. Act now, and you'll get a free trip to the rings of Saturn. They're really cool. Many of our specialists also offer complimentary mints, nuts, and bottled water. Just call... And sons, psychically, with your mind, because we don't have telephones, and you'll have a whale of a time. 
and also not die. We now return you to your show in progress, Sad Teenager Hotline. Then we see Lackis, who we haven't seen in a while. I wonder if she'll come back. In the eye catch. I have a feeling she will. She's in the new opening. We then cut to Athern on what appears to be a hospital bed. He's got a he's got an arm in a sling. Thank you. His purple hair is in high relief with the yellow background. He slowly manages to do a sit-up, and there's Kigali pointing a gun at him. I'm feeling vengeful. I was going to say deja vu. but <laughs> <laughs> You know, all they do is point guns at each other. It's how they flirt. They're both into gunplay. It's how Kigali flirts at the very least. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's very Sundari. She informs him that they're on a plane. I guess it's a medical plane, and they found him lying on the beach, which is all stuff the audience knows, but I guess if they missed the commercial break, if they just tuned in, they would. But it also makes sense that she would be explaining it to Atherin. We already know what it is, but sometimes you have to have the characters explain stuff to each other because the other character wouldn't know what's going on. So Atherin starts to have like a bit of a breakdown. He almost goes like super villain in his tone and <laughs> facial expressions. Like, now why would Orb want to want with something with me? Or are you with the Earth Forces now since you were flying their jet and shooting at my friends and all that and you downed me on an island? Kigali is clearly nonplussed. Yeah, well she has the gun. I, I actually, Atherin starts working at his IV, and again, he looks really devious. It looks like he's, like, trying to come up with a MacGyver plan, which is something we know Atherin can do. And so, Kigali's like, did you destroy the strike? And Atherin's like, oh, shit, yeah, I did. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I totally did that. And he admits it. Uh, Kigali's like, hey, what happened to the pilot? Did he manage to escape like you or pregnant pause? And Atherin's like, I twitch <laughs> yeah Atherin clearly doesn't want to answer because he doesn't want to think about it but after being pressed he goes a real super villain all hair in the eyes eyes become just shadows it's a very good well, shot kind of smiling it's very flay <laughs> and then he goes i killed him like very i did what hero yui could not <laughs> <laughs> and he explains to kagali what we already know that he, he uh, trapped him with the aegis exploded and he doesn't think he could have possibly survived because he couldn't Atherin starts breaking down and crying, and it's clear that Kigali's doing all she can not to do the same, as she points her gun at him and starts roughing him up. You know, like you do to injured medical... Injured medical people? Any injured medical prisoner. Er, yeah. Injured prisoners. To be fair, he's not really a prisoner here, what but he is at gunpoint. Is who let... Like, presumably they had guards on his room. Who let her into his room? She's like the boss. <laughs> Are you really going to tell the boss's daughter not to do something? Hey, uh, quiet. Maybe don't go in there with a gun, okay? <laughs> uh, Atherin starts having um, almost suicidal thoughts where he's like, wait, why am I still alive? It's like, oh, yeah, I guess I escaped. That makes sense. He's like, uh, maybe you're destined to kill me. Right, Straight face to Kigali. And I actually really like Atherin from this point on in the series is kind of suicidal to different degrees. And it's survivor's guild. Right? Yeah. And it's really on display here, where he just doesn't care what happens to him. It seems like he didn't even necessarily mean to escape. He might have just done it like on instinct or impulse. On reflex. Yeah, he was in Super Saiyan mode, so. This this makes it clear that, especially his facial expressions throughout this entire thing, which obviously we as a podcast can't show, really shows that, yes, he he did kill Kira, but holy hell does he regret having to do that. And holy hell does he regret doing it in the first place. 
Uh, so Kigali starts just screaming about how Kira was an idiot who did stupid things and was always crying, uh, but also he was a good person. And Athens like, oh yeah, that sounds like Kira. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was going to joke about that being his response, and then it was. So, <laughs> And this is where it really brings it that it's like, yeah, this is a... He didn't want to and really hates the fact that he did it, but but by God, he killed Nickel. Yeah. And Kigali, like, reacts to that. She drops her gun, and she softens up a lot, and he's like, wait, you knew him? And, you know, Atherin gives the story, yeah, we were best friends, it was great, I and then I killed him. I an annoying fucking bird. <laughs> yeah, birdie! Kigali <laughs> doesn't understand what the hell, Atherin. Uh, neither does Atherin, though, which is, I love his response. Kigali goes, so why the hell did you kill him? And he just yells, I don't know! Which is some real powerful stuff. It really ties into the themes of the show, and it, while we don't see it right away, it ties in really well with Walt Felt's stuff about uh, killing all the enemies and, like, the whole, you know, like I said, the themes of the show. And Atherin just starts going from, uh, you know, guilt to, like, taking out his frustration and rage by just yelling at Kigali about how he killed Nickel and Miguel, I guess, and <laughs> he didn't kill Rusty, but he died too. <laughs> And this also goes back to what Kigali's dad said last time we saw him about war being a vicious cycle and it'll be just, you know, your friend dies and then you kill the guy who killed him. So he kills the guy who he kills you with the guy who killed his friend. And I really like that Kigali gets to have this emotional reaction to this just because that's where she is as a character trying to figure all this out. Nickel was only 15. He played piano passably. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very, very powerful, like, anger moment because Atherin at one like, gets really belligerent with Kigali and then, like, immediately reverts to trying to defend himself from both Kigali and himself. And they're all crying the entire time. I should say they're both crying the entire time. Even if Kigali continues, nope. poor gun safety. Yeah, I was just saying, <laughs> yes. yeah, the gun is crying, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kigali is practicing poor gun safety as she breaks, you know, the primary rule of uh, never pointed at anything you don't intend to shoot. Well, maybe she's going to shoot him. She doesn't know yet. <laughs> She's having a hard time deciding. So Orb gra uh, grabs the strike. Yep, they take the strike and presumably all the pieces Eek. of the strike. And then they just kind of leave the rest of the Aegis kicking around. It does not seem especially salvageable. We then cut to the Archangel Hanger where we see all the mechanics and especially Moo just exhausted. But Moo is still fiddling with I, the cockpit. I actually really like that because Moo is just kind of pressing buttons on in the cockpit of the Skygrasper. Presumably he's doing something, but it's not like the kind of quick typing we've seen him doing before. He just kind of punching buttons and he's he looks really depressed he's actually playing pong <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also see flay in kira in her room just kind of trying to sleep on a table birdie annoys her and wakes her up and we see muriella just crushed in her room poor millie but good news some fucking jets showed up those will save the day hey blue leader <laughs> let's make a bombing run <laughs> because, because the archangel made it to alaska's air defense zone which is you know at least some good news. Because he's like, hey, I'm doing my job. Hey, uh, someone, hey, tell them thanks for their support. And then remind them, where the fuck were you? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, those three dins can't take five jets. <laughs> Even Psy kind of makes a comment of, like, man, uh, five uh, those dins won't chase us. But the uh, guys no more talk up Alaska since it is our Earth Defense Headquarters. And Natarl, you know, being angry dad, is like, come on, we're still on red alert. No talking about relevant things like air defense. And Maru's like, oh yeah, oops, red alert, my bad. 
To be fair, they probably should have been on red alert until they got there, until those through those jets came to watch them. And I actually do really like Natara just breathing a sigh of relief when she's let down from red alert, because it really shows her like mindset and how into the military thing she is, where it's almost like she legitimately thinks as long as they're on red alert, there's danger. And when it's lifted, that's when it's passed. I actually... Like, right after she does that, she gets a call from Murdoch, who's just playing the pronoun game of, can you say something to stop him? <laughs> it's like, he, we're only at half watch. To stop him from launching? Well, it's more that he's like, hey, move the flag. It keeps being like, hey, you have to repair my jet now. Repair my jet now. I'm the boss. Repair my jet now. I rank all you motherfuckers. Repair <laughs> my jet. And she's like, well, you have to listen to the captain. Moo wants this ship fixed so that he can go back and look for him. Now that they're technically safe. So I really like this scene. Maru literally runs down to the hangar bay and is like, Moo, the mechanics need to sleep. <laughs> they have been up since we were at Orb. Uh, Moo's like, I, speaking of Orb, have they found Kira? <laughs> and they get into an argument where Moo wants to go look for them since the ship is safe and they could have made it. They are protagonists and everything. But Maru won't let him go. Um, and she even says like, hey, if I could, I would be the first one to look. I actually uh, really like that because it kind of implies that... Um Moo, the way Moo really wants to go back and look is that I've always figured that Moo lost uh, a unit that he wasn't, that he was attached to and never actually like was able to locate said unit. That's why he wants to go back and look for him. I really like this because we've talked before about how in like the Kirk Bone Spock triangle, Natarl is very much Spock and Maru is very much heart and Moo has to be the one in the middle. And I like that the roles get flipped a little bit and uh, Moo is the one just who has to go and isn't really thinking clearly. And Maru as the captain has to be the, you know, middleman. But Nataro's still the best. <laughs> but even then she does it with heart and she's like, hey, if you also didn't return, I literally don't know what I would do. I would have nobody. I would have Nataro. And you really <laughs> want to leave me with that? <laughs> I'd have Sai, I guess. He seems reliable-ish. But his friend just died, so I don't know. And we don't even know what's going on with Millie. <laughs> Well, they have Cuzzy to replace her. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I'd have Cuzzy. Cuzzy would be on my short list of cool dudes if you were out of here. The helmsman. The helmsman's a pretty, pretty cool badass. The guy with the cool hair who sits opposite Sai, like on the other side of the bridge from Sai, he seems to know what's up. But she manages to talk Moo into staying. And Moo's like, "You're right. That was a stupid thing I was about to do." Meanwhile, No Tak Natarl shows up. He's like, "Hey, Sai, go get all of Tal and Kira's stuff and put them in these small boxes." And Sai's <laughs> like, "That's all right. I've been emotionally dead since Flay left me, so I'll go do it." <laughs> I I do think Sai is the right choice. Actually, I don't think Sai is the right choice. He... You should have gotten like the helmsman or something. Actually, I think Sai is the right choice here because. The helmsman number one still has a job to do. He's still got to fly the ship. They um, should have got Psy one of the machine is, gun guys. Sai <laughs> is clearly off duty. Diorka. Uh, Sai <laughs> knows knows who the people are, so he knows who belongs to what. And if any case, it actually is a little bit easier to take for him putting stuff away than rando soldier That's with true. machine gun. That looks especially a bit 1984. For the, especially for the broken, um, like, Millie. The fact that Sai is going through and putting stuff away is probably easier to take than just a random crew member. I just think she was like, that fucking bird, put it in a box. We don't have to deal with it anymore. Possibly. And I mean, I could also buy that Sai just happened to be the first person that Nataro came across. <laughs> yeah, no, that seems what it's like to me. Nataro's like, you, you are a person that can boss around. Put stuff in box. But she does have the good point that uh, if you just be sad by looking at their stuff, you'll end up killed. But again, this rubs in the point that the kids never had this sort of training. 
and they probably need some counseling at this point. So meanwhile, Flay is going by the lunch hall, and she overhears some people like, man, who would have imagined Yamato would bite it like that? <laughs> Sucks for us, huh? I Good think, thing we're in Alaska. I think the English version actually does say, who would have thought Yamato would have bite it? Whereas in the subtitles here, he says, who would have imagined he'd be wiped out like that? So Flay is overhearing it and doesn't know what to make of it. And then everybody's favorite Cuzzy, Cuzzy comes. <laughs> and, act- and Flay's like, hey, Cuzzy, where's Kira? And Cuzzy's like, oh, no, he's MIA or something. It means he's probably dead. Leave me alone. Jeez. I have no social skills and you're a girl. I can't really talk to you. It's not in my, I don't, my, my guts he, he aren't just, high enough to talk to you he yet. He just tells her, you know, ask somebody else for the details, despite the fact that he basically just gave her them all. But Flay, you know, also kind of in denial again, grabs him and is like, hey, tell me. But because he's obviously very uncomfortable with that physical contact there. (laughs) He like grimaces. Well, the thing is, like, because he was, despite the fact that we always mention because he is being the worst of, he kind of is. But the fact is, (laughs) is he's also one of the group of friends that came off of Heliopolis. So Kira was because he's friend, as was Tall. So because he's actually grieving, too, and clearly doesn't have the mature... He has the emotional ma- capacity of a teaspoon. The, he <laughs> doesn't have the level of maturity or emotional capacity to really help Flay deal with her grief at the same time of dealing with his own. But also, this is just like the nail in the coffin for Flay, who's maybe starting to get over her dad a little bit. And she clearly takes Kira's death very hard here, even though she kind of got what she wished for. Well, the thing is, like, she takes it really hard, especially because I think she kind of forgot what she initially had intended. Yeah. And the last thing Kira said is, when I get back. Yeah. Like, that is the last thing he tells her, is when I get back. Don't worry, it's my last day before retirement. <laughs> In an earlier episode, I talked how it's kind of hard, hard to chart what Flay's feelings for Kira are at any moment. But here I think we see they are genuine to a degree. That she had at least gotten over the part where she wanted him to die. Or at least when she finally gets it, she realizes that's not what she wanted. Those boxes are not big enough. No, that's my problem with the boxes, is they're... They're one, they're like half a PC. <laughs> Birdie mate fit in there, but that's it. That's why you think that she was just like, get that stupid fucking bird in these boxes so we can put it in the crusher. <laughs> Here's two boxes. You can dual wield boxes. I'm sure you'll get it. <laughs> so he goes in looking very determined, and then he sees Millie being depressed and hides the boxes <laughs> like they're contraband. It's great. It's like, that seems more suspicious because if like he just came in with boxes, I don't know what I'd think. I don't know if they're empty or full or what. Tall, in contrast to uh, Cuzzy, is, you know, very warm and Sigh. mature. Yes. Sigh. Sigh. Tall is dead. Sigh, in contrast to Cuzzy, is very warm and mature. Miri asks if they've heard anything about Tall, and he somewhat irresponsibly says, hey, Orb's looking for him. I'm sure it'll be fine. He's trying to be a good friend, right? He is. But then he's like, hey, you can't stay cooped up here. Let's go get something to eat. And that's much more effective. They might uh, They might find the pieces. <laughs> 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 to be fair, he, like, I can... hides the boxes on Toll's bed. <laughs> I think that's actually his bed. Are they sure a bunk? I think Toll sleeps they're, above Miller. They're over under. They're bunk, they're bunk beds. beds. Okay. So there's one on top, one on the bottom. And theirs has already kind of been shown to have four bunks in it. Kira's bunk, for some strange reason, only has his, presumably because Flay. I was assuming main character powers. That too. Allowed... Actually, he needed three beds for Birdie. He is a higher rank than the rest of them, I believe. And then we've got a shot of Diarca being led through basically the gauntlet of mechanics being very angry. <laughs> Diarca's I'm, on parade. I'm actually kind of expecting one of the mechanics to be holding a monkey wrench and menacingly bouncing it on I his say, palm. I say throwing popcorn at him. Diarca's been changed out of his pilot uniform here, so I presume he's being brought from the brig to uh, the med bay or something. Because as 
I guess we didn't mention it earlier, but he was hobbling and he seems injured from his fall in the bus. He does specifically say I'm injured. Yeah, I'm wondering how he injured himself. I'm I'm with Jeremy. I think it was a matter of he got injured when the buster hit the ground, but at the time didn't really notice. It's probably fairly minor, like a twisted ankle or something. So anyway, they're telling him to shut up like you do to a prisoner. They're saying something about justice. So the helmsman comes by. He sees merely and they come up to him. He's already sitting there. Like, what's going on? What's the, the praise? Like, ah, oh, he's the buster pilot. So he looks over at them. Sai gives him a good glare. Sai and the helmsman are glaring at him, and Millie is looking depressed. And he... And Dierk is like, ah, that depressed chick is cute. Flirt! <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, GM, can I just seduce her? And, uh, and the, the guards, the guards don't do their jobs. <laughs> I love the Arca. He's going to get shot, but I love the Arca. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure why they aren't, like, if they aren't trying think... to move him along in terms of a, like, more violent nature because of some kind of uh, rules of engagement. That's my presumption. Or if part of it is they're also a little bit afraid of what he might do. I think it's a little of column A and a little of column B. They don't want to start anything if they don't have to. And the Arca has a great line. He's like, hey, what are you crying about? I'm the one who should be crying. Well, which Millie gets like pissed off about it. But, but this well, is it's a, a very callous line, and he doesn't actually realize just how bad be, that is. Like to be this, fair, he should be crying. As far as he knows, Atherin is dead. Nickel is dead. Actually, Isaac as far as might be dead. Actually, as far as he knows, Nickel is dead, and the rest of his team is probably fine. Well, he doesn't know what happened to them. But I agree. This is a great bit of dramatic irony where he has no idea what's happening with Mary, and she hasn't you know, no sympathy for him. He's just like this evil guy who keeps shooting at their plane and Moo, whereas he is captured. He might be thinking he's headed to the gallows. I don't really know the only reason how why prisoner exchanges work The here. only reason why I said the light, well, it's kind of implied that they really haven't had any. The reason why I was thinking that he, the last he knows is that all of his teammates are fine is because the last time he saw them, they were all perfectly fine. Well, Atherin was still engaged. Isaac was damaged, but doing perfectly fine. Atherin was engaged, but as we've kind of already seen, they still kind of have the I'm an invincible teenager aspect to them. Yes, but also, if Athen was okay, wouldn't he come finish destroying the Archangel? Presumably, just through orders of do otherwise and not getting involved in the Alaskan defense grid. Yeah, but I mean before they got out. And then this is... So Sai goes to punch him, and uh, the Helms are like, hey... Be a good boy. We can't go punching prisoners. That's against the rules. And Diarca almost seems to overhear and like gives like a. I always thought he did. Like he always did kind of overhear him and give him a smirk. Like you can't touch me. And Millie's got some murder in her eyes. And we also cut to Flay in the background menacingly. She just looks dead in her eyes. I was thinking she was uh, thinking how to coach Millie on how to like manipulate and murder people. (laughs) It's like, okay, so you want to seduce this guy and convince him that he can only get better by murdering all the coordinators. Here. Let's practice. (laughs) So we then cut back to Kigali's plane with a smaller green plane approaching it. You can tell it's Zaft because it's green. Kigali tells Atherin that he's not allowed into Orb because he's technically a Zaft soldier. So they have to get rid of him here. Presumably they never, they're just like outside Orb's waters. And Atherin looks like kind of... He looks like a zombie. He's just kind of zoning out. He's staring at the floor. Until Kigali basically is like, hey, it's time to go. Time to wake up and go home, kid. And Atherin's like, but weren't you trying to kill me a few minutes ago? I don't... I'm getting mixed signals here. <laughs> and, and even like, I guess I should thank you, but I don't really know, so no thank you for you. Kigali's like, oh, thank you. This necklace. Yeah, before he can go, she's like, hey, 
wear this amulet. It's like a protecting stone. It's a religious importance. It'll protect you. It's got plus one to all your saves. It'll be great. And he's like, you, you remember the part where I killed Kira, right? You remember that part, right? And she has a kind of mature response where she's like, I just don't want anyone to die. Because she got to be friends with both Kira and Atherin. And knows it was just a shitty situation. Which ties well into like what she's presumably doing with her dad, given the last time they spoke. Isaac is on the plane, being very Sundere as Atherin is boated <laughs> over. He's so Sundere here. He's like, bastard, I didn't even want to save you. <laughs> you got some nerve showing your face around here. Yeah, I'll get back on that after I've finished, you know, killing everything else. And Atherin's got a very just to the point, like, emotionless response of, I destroyed the strike like I said I would. And, and like, Isaac's like, aw, yeah. Yeah, and Isaac's about, he's being Sundere. He's like, yeah, Damn you're right, Sinji Baka. Yeah. <laughs> we then cut up to the plants for reasons yeah to plant mountain i'm sure that place has a name but plant mountain and we hear lackey talking to one of her goddamn horrors one of her 20 horrors and we just get a bunch of establishing shots of the place basically and she's like hey pink chan don't go over there and the credits start to play, we start to get the ending theme, and the Haro bounces up on the bed, and hey, there's a Kira Yamato in that bed. Yeah, we see Kira goddamn Yamato. Somehow, this fucker is alive. Like, thousands of miles in space. He died, he went to literal heaven, and there's an angel waiting for him when he wakes up. God, and a bunch I of annoying cherubs. the fact that this fucker is alive. I love the fact that this fucker is alive. How? God, it's so but, bad. And the episode ends with uh, Lacus very formally saying, oh, good morning. Also, was he wearing his street clothes? I saw the collar. I think he definitely... Look, Lacus definitely saw Kira naked at some point. That's all I'm going to say. Somewhere along the line. I don't know if they're his clothes or if they were provided. He's got the forehead bandage that Izak has. That's just like a generic bandage. <laughs> He's in remarkably good condition for a guy who survived having his face blown off. I mean, we didn't see his face, but he's in good condition for a guy who exploded. That's for sure. And teleported halfway across the known galaxy. I'm actually more okay with the fact that the fucker teleported all the way over there and less enthusiastic about the fact that somehow he survived a point-blank range ground zero explosion. Obviously, he wasn't in the machine when it happened. Yeah, I I, I was going to say that I am the opposite, Zach. I'm much more okay with the fact that he survived than the fact that he got millions of miles into space. Like, if he's teleporting, I'm going to say, yeah. He might as well have teleported before it blew up on him. Well, they as kind well, of explain how he got there yeah, later. We'll see that next episode. Did he literally die and then reincarnate in one of the horrors? There's part of me that wishes he'd stayed dead for three episodes just to go full <laughs> Jesus with it. I actually really think this reveal would have been more powerful if they let us think he was dead for at least one entire episode. Pacing it would get tricky. Like, I don't think you can have him dead the entire next episode, and they obviously wanted as an end-of-episode reveal to keep you coming back, because not a lot happened this episode. It was mostly just Kagala and Atherin being teenagers, which I love, but, you know, this is a show for babies, so they need to get some of that cliffhanger in there. So, I'm assuming that Kira is the son of George Glenn, who is the coordinator god. <laughs> yes, and he has come again, and Kira will come again in Destiny a third time to fight the Antichrist. Um, who's the Antichrist? Sting Oakley. Sting Oakley is the Antichrist. No one else. <laughs> Sting Oakley. <laughs> Sting Oakley is definitely the no anti-Jesus, right? <laughs> I guess. 
by virtue of being incompetent based on the way oh, you're talking we'll about Oh, we'll get him. to Sting Oakley. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Sting Oakley. St- Sting is almost so bad he's good. Like, if Dendam C. Destiny was a deliberate parody, Sting would be great. He's not like fucking Neo Roanoke, uh, which is actually how his, his uh, name appears in the credits, by yeah, the way. Neo fucking Roanoke. Voiced by uh, some guy. I don't know whose voice actor is. Whoever voices Mulaflaga? Spoilers. Wait, seriously? Uh, I mean, for Destiny, if anyone's going to watch it. <laughs> God damn it. Though, a bunch of characters share voice actors. Flay's voice actor comes back. I shouldn't say comes back. She voices multiple characters. The voice actress who voices Lacus voices multiple characters in Destiny. They ran out of budget, so they had to use the same guys for multiple characters. They uh, use all their budget on that sweet all, moo face animation. No, well, in Japan, they used it on bringing back Char's voice actor. Oh, really? Neat. Yeah, he voices Durundal in the oh. Japanese version. I actually really like his English voice actor, but it is not Char. So yeah, that's episode 31, Grieving Skies. Tyler, what did you think? You, I, like I said, I asked you at the beginning of the episode, but you can go into more detail now. I actually like this one fairly well because it like examines the fallout of everything that's happened. I mean, just really all the screen time with Millie is excellent. It's, it's painful, but it's excellent. Yeah, and like it's really an episode about people being in pain and grieving, like the episode said. I think this is the most Millie we've actually had on screen the entire series so far. Yeah, although we have had her a lot, it's usually for little bursts and pieces. This is where Millie takes center stage for a little bit and becomes a real main character. And she kind of has to because there's not a lot of people left on the Archangel. There's Moon, Nataral, and Maru, but they always kind of felt separate. And random bridge people who have no names. I'm sure they have names, but I don't know they have. Given them. They're saving them for when they might need to survive a random encounter. We also get Diarca into his new position, prisoner. <laughs> Although that most of the good of that came last episode, where so he I'm, surrendered. Yeah, and we I'm won't gu- get the best of that until later. I'm guessing Diarca and Millie become a couple. <laughs> Why? Because they shared screen time, and everybody is attracted to everybody in Gundam Seed. That's what I said in the first episode. Every relationship is written as a romance. So it's clearly guy with gun A gets with Flay, then? Yes. No, it's uh, Psy, or possibly Helmsman. Helmsman gets with Flay. Helmsman gets with Flay. Uh, man the helm. Maximum propulsion, Helmsman gets with Flay. Alrighty. Um, like I said, I this I think the weakest of the four episodes coming up, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, I like this fairly well, so if this if you consider this the weakest, that's nice. It's a thing where these four episodes slowly, slowly build. There's kind of a false climax in the next one, which might be the best of this bunch, actually. Uh, we'll see. It, like I said, I'm going to say this a lot. Next episode might be my favorite. It's not, but it might be. Do you have any final thoughts, Zach? I remain hating the fact that Kira has survived, but I actually really like this episode because it is a... Yeah, bar in the last like it 30 seconds. It is a seconds. falling action of, like Tyler said, a fallout. We we finally have gotten to see the psychological damage that these kids are actually going to go through. And uh, I like the fact that they're pointing that out, especially because it's almost all downhill from here. And Kigali came back and wasn't gone for 30 episodes again. <laughs> yes, that too. There is another. Another <laughs> Kigali. Are we going to do high points, low points? Yeah, but before we get to that, the game for this week, no points. We're not going to have points for a while. Yeah. I, th- I said last week we might this week, but we don't. What are the points? I'm they're so n- confused. They're not going to be any for a while, and I think shortly after there are more, I will reveal the game to you. But yeah, what's your high point, Tyler, since you're excited to get to that? Specifically, it is the way Isaac responds to Athrin getting on the boat. I love that scene How so much. How soon dare he is? Yes. It's amazing. Specifically, that look, like, just the way he's like, yeah, my friend's not dead. Oh, so he killed that guy. Yeah, that relieved smile. And even, like, uh, Athrin, like, said the exact right thing to him. 
Even though for Athern, that's a terrible, like, that's all he can say because it's been so painful for him. But he's like, hey, I did my job. Yeah. It wasn't easy for me. And Isaac has no idea what's going on in Athern's head. He's like, yeah, you got that guy. You go, Athern. That was an awesome scene. I really liked it. Zach, what about you? I actually really like the beginning of the episode in which Millie is constantly trying to contact Tall and Kira. Yeah, she she's just frantic. can't let it. She can't let it go. Well, I was sure one of you was going to steal mine, but it's Moo punching that cockpit because he can't bring himself to hug Miri. That's close, even though she really needs it. I really like that scene too, especially with the fist clench because he can't bring himself to like touch her. I really like that. I also really like the Golly Atherin scene, but. I just really like that because it's such kind of a simple thing because she's constantly trying to contact the strike and, and the sky grasper and the rest of the bridge is just silent and staring at her while she's doing it. Well, they're just kind of staring and like, oh, God, we have been totally fucked sideways now. It's OK. They're in Alaska. What's your low point, Tyler? So that Zach can have his horrors. I really dislike horrors. <laughs> Zach, do you even need to say yours? We all know you don't like the Kira's Alive. Kira's Alive. Kira's Alive! <laughs> There's so many ways to explain it if they'd done the, 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 the thing differently, but they decided to go with the way they did, and I, it really makes me hate it. I really feel like we had Chekhov's Space Whale, and that could have been used. <laughs> uh, Chekhov's Space Whale is dumb. Um, <laughs> let's see, what's mine? I had one, and now I've... Oh, this is almost a low point of the previous episode and not this one but it's the strikes are magically reattaching <laughs> i feel like the reason that happened is the people animating the explosion came up with the real and cool idea of having the arm fly toward the camera and didn't tell the team working on the next episode uh so in the concept art it had the arm so they just kept the arm uh, but it is sort of a weird continuity thing i don't remember if that happens in the initial in the original run. version it does oh uh, it does okay i looked rather i didn't even have to look it's in the previously on because I just remember, like I said, on this episode, there's the shot of the Aegis's head that yeah, they didn't actually change the damage to the uh, head section from the first series. To be fair, I don't think anyone would notice that unless they had looked. They were specifically trying to compare the two and had kept that in mind. Because the Aegis got pretty banged up. And that could have happened in the explosion. Like a piece of shrapnel could have flown through where the head was. I'm assuming that Atherin accidentally kicked it with one of his cool sword feet at some point. <laughs> it would be so cool if Atherin stabbed through his own head <laughs> with his foot sword to attack Kira. All right, but that does it for episode 31. Join us next week when we'll watch episode 32 in the Promised Land, which has a great name and, like I said, is one of my favorites. Actually, they changed all the next time ons for this series, which is too bad because the original next time for that episode is kind of amazing because it's this really boring thing. It's just tight close ups of people's faces until the last <laughs> one, which is a tight close up of Diarca's face. And I think Zach can imagine what happens in that close up. And it's a real idea. Good. Yeah. So join us next time. Like I said, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's another slow one. It's all teenage emotions, but it's great. Bye. Burton's force of will protected it. This young coordinator is the one who really protected it. Captain Sutherland, don't be so sure of that. Young coordinator. Luckily, the destruction of the strike and the declaration of its pilot as young coordinator can be considered a rather fortunate accident for us. 
We don't want people saying that it was operated by a young coordinator. You're right about that. It just seems like glaring evidence. Uh, it's really subtle, too, in the next timeline. Maybe we'll watch that. What are you looking at? What the fuck Bye. the space are? There's like... They're, they're not even Chekhov's... Like, they don't do anything. Space whale. They're like, hey, it's a fucking intelligent species. And it's whales. 